0: Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. And today we're going to continue with our study of what's known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is clearly outlined in the book of Acts. But before we do that, it's important that we realize that Jesus is the reason that we live. So as we continue to focus on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, We need to be careful that we don't lose sight of the fact that the most important aspect of Christianity is the salvation that was provided by the crucifixion, the death, and the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Nothing is more important than what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. However, we shouldn't be ignorant of what was provided by Jesus to help us live in spiritual victory. The Helper has been the focus of the last several posts and episodes. But we worship Jesus, only Jesus, because He was the one who died for us. However, again, let us not forget that in Jesus' own own words, He promised us a helper, the Holy Spirit. Now you might ask, why did Jesus provide us with a helper? What does the helper do? Jesus provided the helper because Jesus didn't want us to leave us alone in our own strength to live the Christian life, a life of righteousness. The Apostle Paul warns us of being uninformed or unaware of our power and authority as disciples of Jesus Christ. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's 1 Corinthians 12.1. Paul also says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through empty philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to God. That's Colossians 2, beginning in verse 8. God's ways are not man's ways. And it's a challenge for us to live by faith because God's ways are often the opposite of what we have been taught to live by in the world system we live in. We're told that we're to put, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. That's two Corinthians five, seven, but the world says, show me, and then I will believe the kingdom of God says, believe, and then I will show you. Now, I want to take a moment to talk about why there's a resistance to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I'm going to share right now is my personal belief. And that's because in the past there have been leaders who have tried the Holy Spirit expecting to have some kind of emotional or physical experience. And when they didn't get what they expected, they wrote the baptism of the Holy Spirit off and decided that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not for today. This experience became their doctrine. Experience should never become doctrine. Only the Word can produce doctrine or truths. But then they pass this kind of thinking or their teaching on to others. Well, let me say that you don't just try the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're either in or you're out. It's very clear that the Lord said that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you will receive him. While the baptism of the Holy Spirit is surrendering to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, not everyone has an emotional or physical experience. Remember, it's not based on, on physical or emotional experiences. Remember, we're talking about spiritual events. I think another reason for this, the resistance to the, to the work of the Holy Spirit is that many leaders find it messy or distracting, especially during church services. When many would have, prefer to have a religion that is proper and without controversy, all I can say is that it's a good thing that these kinds of pastors or these kinds of leaders didn't live during Jesus' day. Because to the religious leaders of Judaism, Jesus was a troublemaker and heretic. But we know that, in fact, Jesus it was the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. You see, this kind of attitude drove the religious leaders of that day to drive Jesus out of the temple and actually plotting to kill him. My point here is that the ministry of Jesus was messy and distracting. Now I know someone will quote 1 Corinthians 14:40, "Let all things be done direct, uh, decently and in order." And that's true. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, who defines decently and in order? Is it the Lord or is it man? Now, tongues is a gift of the Spirit. The gift of tongues is presented as one of the nine gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4 up to verse 11. And it begins with, there are a diversity of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities but it's the same god who works all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all you see the apostle paul introduces the gifts of the spirit making sure that we understand the following first of all notice the use of the words spirit lord and god in the same statement and of course this is a reference to the Holy Trinity. Secondly, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is to build up the body of Christ, the people of God. The gifts are not for personal use, not to profit one's reputation or standing or their own finances. Then Paul continues to define each gift. Beginning in verse eight, he says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. And here's where I want to focus. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now we don't have time to review each of the gifts today, but notice the last two gifts, different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now let's look at a common area of confusion about tongues. The gift of tongues is available in two ways. There's what's known as public tongues for the building up of the church body, and then there's private tongues for the building up of the individual. Now, when we talk about public tongues, we're talking about what's being used in the midst of a congregation or during a church service or or, or a, a church gathering. Now, it's obvious from 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 that tongues were very common when Christians gathered to worship the Lord. It was expected that when one spoke to the church in tongues there would be an interpretation of that message for the church. Either the speaker of tongues would interpret himself or herself or someone else would interpret. After all, tongues may sound like nonsense to the human mind when in truth it is the language of the Spirit of God. When you have tongues with interpretation, you have, in essence, prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.5 confirms this. Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues even more that you prophesied for he who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues but hold on it says indeed unless he interprets that the church may receive edification apparently what happened in the early church was that many were speaking out loud in tongues at the same time but no one was interpreting Paul makes it clear that this is not what the Lord wants And it was causing confusion and did not edify or enlighten anyone. If a public tongue is expressed, it must be followed by interpretation. Or or else it does not benefit the body of Christ. Understand this. Tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. Now, in terms of of what we might call a private tongue, a personal prayer language, that's how I like to express it, a personal prayer language praying in tongues is the language of the Spirit as I said before John 4 23 says but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth you see we can pray with our our we can worship and pray with our understanding but a more powerful way is to learn how to pray in the spirit. You see when you pray with your understanding you're limited by the human mind or the intellect. However when you pray in the spirit all obstacles are removed. The apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 26, likewise the spirit also helps us in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered now he who searches the truth or searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of god hallelujah The Apostle Paul makes it clear that when we pray in the Spirit, the prayers are always perfect because it is the Spirit of God interceding for us. See, the Lord is not interested in memorized, ritualistic prayer. The Lord is interested in relational prayer, a prayer from the heart. And there are times when we, we don't know what to say or how to say it. That is when we should pray in the Spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, we are encouraged, we are built up, and we are strengthened. The Lord has given us the ability to pray in the Spirit as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our prayers and our actions. Remember, the Holy Spirit was given to us as a helper to to live the Christian life and to encourage us to fulfill the call of God in our lives. As I've said before, it's a lonely Christian and a weak believer who denies the work of the Spirit in their lives. Praying in tongues is a gift of Jesus and is meant to encourage us to build up our confidence and faith in the Lord and what he can accomplish in and through us. Jude 1.20 says, tell us, he, he says, uh, Jude 20 I'm sorry, tells us to maintain our life with God by praying in the Spirit. But you, Beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, I've, I know that tongues is a stumbling block to many. And, but it's been my experience that when, when God, God works in ways that don't make sense to, human, to the human mind. For, for example, I've seen the following. I've seen, I've seen people begin to speak in tongues spontaneously during their salvation experience. Number two, I've seen people speaking in tongues when it happened spontaneously at their water baptism. Number three, I've seen people speaking in tongues it it just happened spontaneously as the individual was praying for the baptism. He was asking God to, to give him the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And finally, I've seen speaking in tongues after the person's been prayed for begin to happen days, weeks, and even months after the person was prayed for. My point is, don't put God in a box. The Lord doesn't have to prove himself to you or to anyone else. He is the Lord. If you have not experienced speaking in tongues, keep this in mind. You should earnestly seek the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's for your good. However, that doesn't mean you can't move in the other gifts of the Spirit. If you've learned how to hear the Spirit and to follow his promptings, then exercise the other gifts of the Spirit And the speaking of tongues will come in time. What we believe should be based upon the Word of God, the Bible, and not on the opinions of others or the experiences of others. The Bible is our map to life and godliness. The Holy Spirit is a compass to help us find the one true way. Remember, the way is narrow. Scripture tells us, enter by the narrow gate, For for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 13. That's why God provided us with a helper, a guide, a teacher. Finally, let me close with a verse from Peter's first sermon that he preached after being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is found in Acts 2, beginning in verse 38. And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you who is baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. Let me repeat that last verse. Verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to you to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. We are the called of God. We are the afar off. The Bible and history, the you know, just this history of the church shows countless times how important the baptism of the Holy Spirit was in those days and how it continues to be important vitally important for today and so I want to encourage you this day to not dismiss it uh, to not be discouraged but to earnestly seek what God has for you and so Heavenly Father right now I just pray uh, just an anointing upon every individual who's listening or watching that Lord God that your truth would become self-evident to them that your Holy Spirit would prompt them and urge them to receive all that you purchased at the cross of Calvary. And we thank you for all that you've done. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you the next time. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations are from the New King James Version of the Bible. Copyright 1982 by Thomas Nelson used by permission, all rights reserved.